we're doing this right, right? Is your go-to podcast for humor-infused discussions that empower women to lead, succeed, and grow. So find your earbuds, lace up your walking shoes, or cozy up with a beverage of your choice, and let's dig in. Good morning, everybody. Well, I guess it's not necessarily morning where you are, but it is morning where I am. (laughs) It's still morning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, when they're listening, we don't know what time they're listening. That's true. Might be might be bedtime. Good day. But you guys, Colleen and I have a very exciting day. We have a very good friend, Susie Adamson, here with us. Hi, Susie. Oh, hi. So happy to be here. We're literally so excited, and I'm pretty sure we've uh, referenced you or talked about you in every episode. So the world is all. <laughs> Seeing the famous Susie, uh, we are just so excited. Oh my gosh, I have to catch up. Yeah, you do. So Susie is like the wisdom that leads our worlds, I would say. (laughs) I need that on a sash. (laughs) If Susie said it, everybody listens in our in our little circle. She is all things systems and processes, which I love. She said something one day that has changed my life. You do something more than once, there should be a system for it. So now all dog food is on a subscription because it makes my life easier. And then also in business, she shows us how to put our systems and processes together. So Susie, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a background on you? Sure. So I was born in Korea. That's relevant. I'm not like starting from the very beginning for no reason, but I was born in Korea. I moved when I was five. So I am Um, what we call ourselves a 1.5 generation immigrant. And uh, so, you know, I grew up mostly in the U.S. And that was 1974 when we moved. And it was a big wave of Korean immigration. So in that era, um, most Korean Americans were really taught to assimilate. So that's that's a big influence in my life where I have had to reclaim my culture and it's still been a very big influence. And I'm only just now understanding the impact of all the generational trauma from my parents and my grandparents. Um, All that to say that I have grown up with a strong work ethic, a strong, you know, survivor instinct. I don't settle for mediocrity very easily. And that has led to a lot of tension in my marriage with my uh, Swedish-German husband, (laughs) very middle America, (laughs) white husband. So that's why I bring that all up. It's uh, pretty relevant. But I do have two boys who are now in college, and I've moved around a lot, and I'm recently newly moved to Pennsylvania, which I love, love, love. Got into real estate about 10 years ago, was prior to that in advertising, marketing, brand consulting, and then stayed home with my kids for 10 years, which is also relevant to this whole conversation. So stayed home. I always say when people say, what do you do for work? I say, well, I work outside the home because there's a lot of work inside the home that we don't get paid for, which is a big source of frustration and, um, quite frankly, anger for me in this country the way that we treat stay-at-home moms. What we're going to talk about today is the mental load. And Susie has the wisdom from 
each stage of rearing the children and working in the home and working out of the home. So we thought she was the perfect person to bring on to talk to you about this. I like to start with a little bit of a, a definition of what the mental load really is. So it's also called cognitive labor, which refers to the invisible and non-tangible tasks involved in running a household. It is carrying around that never-ending to-do list in your head. It's remembering what needs to get done and when, and who needs to be where and when, and delegating all the tasks to respective family members and making sure they all actually get done, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. <laughs> I didn't realize mental load, per the definition, only referred to this idea of running up like running a family or running a household. Like I feel like there's, that's pretty narrow definition. Like there's gotta be. that. Well, at, at work, mm-hmm. it would be called project management <laughs> and you'd get paid a lot of money for that's it. True. But at home, we refer to it lovingly as the mental okay. load. I think the relevance of finding it within the household, Colleen, to me is that um, as Cheryl just said, it's not really relevant to people who are, only managing their work life. The whole point is that for most women, and I do think it's a very gender specific thing, most women, especially if they're running a family beyond a household just for themselves or a couple, it is just the cumulative weight of having to deal with every single detail of not just your own life, but the entire household. Yeah. So I think that's why the definition must and does include the household management because that's where the burden really becomes uh, disproportionate. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think about when I'm managing, you know, my workload or all the things I want to do as an entrepreneur, like that stuff lights me up. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. And or Susie's taught me to outsource it or set up a system for it. If it's that annoying stuff, I don't really want to do, but it's the stuff at home that like, no one takes off your plate. It's just like the plates getting piled higher and higher and higher. A quick little anecdote about this, not to throw my husband under the bus, plug your ears, (laughs) Alex. Um, It is the middle of October almost now. Kids have been in school since mid August. Alex just figured out yesterday that we have early release every Friday for August. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> He's like, early release every week? I'm like, yes, I've had to set up an entirely different childcare and pickup system for that. That's such a great Hello. example, Cheryl. And it's such a small thing, but I think that is what permeates our entire lives as working moms. And there's the that like joke that's going around social media now. Nobody says working dads. Yeah. But it's not funny, right? Like it's not funny. There is no such term. No one has ever once said working dad, but working moms is a whole thing. The second question I get after like, hey, how are you? Whenever I see someone that I haven't seen in a minute, where are your kids? Nobody ever asks Alex where the kids are. There's this like great comedian I follow too that says, you know, school called him and this is part of his bit. Like it's a funny thing because it's so real. The school calls him and is like, you know, asked him some question. He's like, you do realize that I'm the dad, right? <laughs> like, why, why are you calling me? And, you know, the audience laughs because it's relatable and like we get it and it's ha ha ha. But no, it's not funny. 
it's yeah. not funny. There's another one that's similar where I think the guy says he's the assistant manager. It's a real, it's an audio reel that is going around. He's like, I'm the assistant manager. My wife is the manager. Like, and I was just like, okay. Like, and that's the truth. But that's the whole thing about the mental load, right? That we're managing everything. Yeah. I, it's a lot. So I think one, I want to say, I think I don't want to speak for all of us, but maybe I will, that none of us here hate our husbands <laughs> at all. Nope. Still married. But, or I shouldn't say but, we love our husbands and this is a problem for all of us, I think. For me, Susie and I talked a lot about this the other night when we went to dinner, like, I think there are some societal roles or expectations that we take these on. And so sometimes I think part of this is, is, I don't want to say our fault, but our responsibility. Like when I had Vivian and my husband was going to work every day at 6am, I was like, Oh, it's my job now to do everything at home and everything baby because he's leaving to go to work and he's working all day and I'm not providing anything financial. And I think there is that component a lot for stay at home moms where they feel like they're, there's not a lot of worth in what they do because there's no financial contribution, which we all know is like, you've seen the, have you seen the studies? Yes. They like break out all the things that a stay at home mom does. It's like breaks out to like making over $200,000 a year plus. But I became so resentful of him. And I told Susie the story about how I remember there was one night I was nursing Vivian and I was so tired and I was so angry and I had been doing so many things all day long. And David was in our room and I was nursing her in the room and he was snoring and I lost my shit. And I just, I just lost it. And I picked up a stuffed animal and I threw it at his head while he was sleeping and just <laughs> rolled over and kept snoring. But I, there was so much built up resentment and aggression for all of the things that I had done. You know, at this point, I think she was only six months at this point. So six months is a long time to do this, but not in the scope of raising a child for, you know, 18 plus years. But I think some of it is like, we're so conditioned to assume that if we're staying home, these are all our responsibilities. And if you're not doing all of them, um, you're bad or you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I want to address a couple of things that you said there, Colleen. One thing is, I think that a big part of the problem is that this is not an individual issue. It is a systemic issue. Just like racism, like we all focus on like, well, I'm not this, like I don't have this problem, so it's right. not a problem. And I, I sent you guys the comic strip thing from The Guardian until I read that and I and people started to like really express the problem of the mental load for women. I didn't have a way to frame the problem, right? I just thought it was like an issue within my marriage, which is right. yes, okay. obviously. And so I think that, that we're, we're now only, I think, becoming aware of how much of a systemic issue this is. This is really a problem 
on a larger scale, expectations and all that. And then your story about how, you know, you're a stay-at-home mom and you feel like you have to contribute all these ways. I think that that is a particular issue for women who do stay at home for any portion of time and then do go back to work outside the home. For me, that is what really led to the volcano erupting in our family. I had stayed home with the kids for 10 years. And then when I went back to work outside the home as a real estate agent, I was working, as you know, 24-7. I was working like a dog. And and none of the household load transferred to my husband. And that was in part my own fault, but it was also my husband clearly not recognizing. And then it all came to a head, I think 2019, right before the pandemic, We were in the middle of the busiest spring market that I had experienced while renovating our home. What a mistake that was. That was just like such a rookie error. And two teenage boys. And we were down to one bathroom during the process. It was a nightmare. And we were cooking in our laundry room, literally. And so I finally threw up my hands and I said, why am I making dinner every night. Yeah. Why am I still the one responsible for dinner? Yeah. And my husband said these really, really like illuminating words. He said, because you're home. <laughs> I was like, I'm working you're like, from home. Then I stop <laughs> to make dinner. Right. I stop. I make dinner. I have to Think about, right, that just that incredible burden of like, what the heck do I make for dinner every night? Yeah. And then I, and I have to do all the grocery shopping. I have to do all the planning. And then I go back to work, right? Like while you're sitting around watching TV or playing video games, I'm back to work until midnight. And so it was kind of awesome. None of COVID was awesome, but the best part of COVID was when I could say to him, your home now. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> we are doing things completely differently now. And it has it has gone from and probably and he would agree to this, like before COVID and before I put my foot down and went on strike, I told my family, I'm going on strike. You fend for yourselves. I'll make my own dinner. You do your, your thing. Um before then he agreed. We thought it was 60-40. We thought we were at a 60-40. Like we both agreed it was imbalanced, but I think we were, I gave him a like generous serving of benefit of the doubt and he took it. But when I read that article about the mental load, I was like, in truth, it's really 90-10. And he was like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) I said, Let's get you up to 88, 12. <laughs> like, I'm not shooting for the stars here. Like, let's just ratchet it up a little bit. You take on the doctor's appointments. I don't care if you don't do it well. You do the medical form. You do all the forms, actually, for, for school yeah. from now on. Like, why am I doing that? Like, that makes no sense and you're fully capable. And we still have the issue of me having to manage him, which is like a constant battle, right? Like, 
I tell him all the time, if you were my employee, you had been fired so long ago because the whole idea of having, you know, if, if in fact you're my assistant manager, you suck at it. <laughs> you suck at that. <laughs> you're not getting- I shouldn't have to give you a task and then follow up on it. First of all, I shouldn't even have to give you the task. You should have it, right? That's a big part of the mental load. Yeah. Is why should I have to know all the tasks? Why, sh- why should I have to know that my son... My younger son likes mayonnaise and my older son likes mustard, like that, right? That's like kind of what Cheryl's talking about. Like we know all the things. Yeah. My husband does the laundry and everyone pats him on the back like he's some rock star for doing laundry, but he still doesn't know who wears what. (laughs) My son came down one day with my pants on and I was like, dude, those are lady pants. (laughs) That's awesome. He's like, but they're so soft and comfortable. I'm like, no, no, no. Those are my pants. Take them off. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that you gave it a percentage because I also gave my relationship a percentage. But Cheryl, do, did you did you do that? Do you have an idea of a percentage of uh, the mental load or the task duties that you carry versus your husband? Well, we all know I'm kind of like an over processor or like I work very fast and efficiently. So I think it would be rude to tell him that I'm doing 110% of everything at home. <laughs> but I mean, it certainly feels that way a lot of the time. Rude, but maybe not inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. And I don't like, he's a very capable human. He runs a department of like 40 something people and manages a massive budget and like is so capable. And I get on his ass about this from time to time. I'm like, you are so capable. Yeah. Oh, look what you do at work. Yeah. Like, why can't you be a little more capable here and like take some of this off my plate? It's it, the load is very off balanced here as well. What's your percentage? 110. You're doing 110. <laughs> 110. He's, he's doing <laughs> to negative. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would say negative 10. <laughs> I would say mine is, actually, we've been working on this quite a bit because my work has been picked up significantly in the last year. I would say ours is like an 80-20 at this point. And Susie, when you said the, the forms, I'm, I just, this was comical. So my daughter brought home a form for science camp after school or something like that. And my husband filled it out. But he put my email, like my email and my information on the form. Oh, I was like, my gosh. you've got an email. And we all know that I have a bajillion emails. Like I was dying. That is so classic. That says so much. Well, here's a life hack. You need a family email address. That is on both people's phones and then a system for going through those emails because he'll like read one and do nothing with it. And then I'm like, I never saw that. Well, you marked it in red. I'm not going to see it. That's the thing, Cheryl. Like there's like a whole nother thing to manage there, but at least I'm not the only one seeing it. That's right. It's one thing to have the email. It's the other thing to like then because the whole thing, you know, when you said, why is this that it is clearly the psychological expression of learned helplessness. I tell my kids this all the time. There's a thing called learned helplessness, right? Like we have conditioned them as 
as well as society has conditioned them, their parents have conditioned them to think that the women are going to handle certain things. And a big part of the problem is that we are so capable, right? The three of us on this call, like we're hyper capable. And this is part of what I coach to, right? To realtors is that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can grocery shop doesn't mean you should. Doesn't just because you can clean the house doesn't mean you should. Because those there are things that that someone else can do. Having said that, the problem, the biggest problem is that our husbands don't think of those things. It doesn't bother them, right? Like mm-hmm. I realize like my the bed being made doesn't bother my husband. The house being cluttered doesn't bother him. Right. So it's not like he, he no would think to do that. Do you know? The f- that's no pain. Exactly. And then we feel like we have to create that pain for them. <laughs> we have to make, we have to nag them. So it's painful. Where you start to feel like a crazy, like for me, I start to feel like a crazy person. Like, am I nuts that I'm the only person who yes. can see that the four men that live in my house are peeing all over the toilet? Like, am I the only one oh, the worst? Like, what is happening? The worst. And Or am I, am I the only one that's seeing that there's, like, these toys on the floor and, like, no one's picking them up? Like, what? Because they don't care. Yesterday morning, I said to my husband, it's really helpful when you make the lunches in the morning. It's really helpful. Like, because it's th- something you can do before the kids are awake. He leaves before the mad rush. I'm like, that's really helpful. So he stands up and he starts walking towards our bedroom to go get ready. And I was like, are you making the lunches? He's like, oh, did you want me to? Why I just told you that it's so helpful when you do that. Mm -hmm. And then I got up and started walking to the bedroom to get ready. He's like, you're going to get ready? I'm like, yes, I have to wash my hair today. Bye. Make the lunches. I'm out. Also, the other day, he's like, oh, we've got two checks to deposit. I'll give them to you. I was like, did you need me to show you how to do the mobile depositing on the app? And he's like, no. I'm like, okay, great. I'm not going to do that. You deposit, you have the two checks. You deposit the two checks. And I woke up the next morning and the checks were in yep. the bank. But I need that more. <laughs> I need that. I need that without the direction. I just need that to happen. Was it the meme you sent me or the, it's like, well, let me go back. Glennon Doyle and Abby Wombat, by the way, I've got a total crush on Abby, a girl crush. Like she's on my freebie list. So everybody know that about me. They have this, when they talk about the mental load, they talk about the ticker that's like on the bottom of the CNN screen, just going around constantly. And that's what this yeah. to-do list that we have is doing in our heads. And when somebody says to you, how can I help? That's actually just adding one more thing to the ticker. What you need to do is just right. actually do the thing. And then maybe let us know what's been done so that we can cross that off the ticker. But don't ask like, what am I doing? How am I doing it? When does it need to be done? That's all you're clogging up my my brain now and adding more things for me to filter through. Well, and Susie said like the three of us are like ultra. uh, Not that no women is productive, ultra capable, ultra motivated, ultra like ultra extra extra read all about it that's us right imagine what that's like for someone who's not like that who can't vote who will not ask for help or doesn't feel like they can ask for help i mean i 
you just said you've asked for help. Susie, you said help, right? You know, Susie, you said you're asked for help. I ask my husband all the time, like, we need to do this. I can't do this. They'll be like, what are, what's for dinner? I don't know. What's for dinner? But we have a situation where we can communicate that thing. And I can't even imagine what that mental load is like for somebody who feels like they can't communicate those things in their marriage or in their relationships or in their life. Like, or God forbid it's not safe to do so for because sure. they're in maybe an emotionally abusive or physically abusive relationship. So they really are like no one for their lives. Such a good point, Colleen, because they're also, and this is where it gets back to the systemic problem. This is a problem even if the woman in the relationship, and I'm only addressing heterosexual relationships only because that's my my personal experience, not to be exclusive, but I was just talking to someone this week about she has ADHD and is not capable of like, or she just doesn't feel like that's in her wheelhouse. It's not her thing to tidy up, but it still bothers her and she still feels the weight of the responsibility, even though her husband is just as able, you know what I mean? So like it definitely such a good point. Like we get it done, but there are people who either have, you know, have just this different circumstance of not being able to have the conversation with their partner or, or don't feel capable themselves of doing it. And still it's still the, the load is on the woman. Yeah. Still the responsibility still up to them to get it done. Like that is just, And this is where we do have to address these things uncomfortably with our partners or whatever the situation is. We have to take that like individual step and have those conversations to better balance if there is ever such a thing to happen in your relationship. And we also need to take much bigger steps on a larger scale. We need to really fight for wage equity. We need to really think about what it means that stay-at-home moms get no retirement plan or health care aside from their partner's health care. That's criminal. I think it is such a travesty that this work from home is, there is no monetary value assigned to it apart from these articles that like, probably only women read. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes us feel better because <laughs> someone's no, recognizing our like, value. Well, and then how trapped, yeah. how trapped are these women now that are working from home for the first however many years of their life? They have that gap in their resume. They don't mm-hmm. have any money mm-hmm. of their own to like, if yeah. they're in a situation that no longer is healthy for them or their children or their family, right. they're stuck. They're trapped. And then like also helping friends of mine build their resumes yes. after that gap of time. I'm super creative about what that resume looks like. I'm going to list every efficiency hack and tip and thing you've done when mm-hmm. I'm helping you build that because you have been managing, you know, like all the jobs we see in those articles that yep. you've done and what it adds up to. You've been doing all of that while juggling two small humans or three small humans. Or how many- you guys seen that one? It's like a TikTok. It's a reel that I think went viral. And the guy's like, I'm going to give you the best resume hack ever. And he said, when somebody asks you, can you please explain the gap in your resume? You say, no, I have an NDA. <laughs> I cannot. Great. I cannot explain that gap. I, I, have, a, I have an NDA. 
NDA stands for non-disclosure agreement. It means you're not allowed to talk in case you don't know. Cause it's, it's early here. And it took my, I was like, what's an NDA took me a second. So just so everybody knows, it means you're a gag order. Well, what about if we normalized not having a gap on your resume and putting there the work that you're doing? Right. Right. What if we normalize that that has actual value? vocational value huge vocational value i mean wouldn't that be something right like this is a i mean it's not the topic of mental load but this is a huge passion point of mine is the lack of confidence that women feel when they have been staying at home with their children and working in the home and not outside the home and wanting to go back into the workplace or needing to go back into the workplace for one reason or the other and feeling, and I've heard more than once, I don't, I, I don't, what have I done? What have I done to show for, and I, what value do I bring to a workplace? And that makes me freaking bananas because what are you talking about woman? Yeah. Were you born yesterday? You know, and sometimes you have so much to bring to the table. And I mean, I would much rather hire someone who has been at home working their butts off, raising humans and managing the entire, I know that they have skills, yeah. skills that somebody who hasn't done that, you know, doesn't have. Like I would hire someone who has been working from home all day long before somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Somehow we as a society have attributed zero value to that. Although it's the expectation of women, it's the expectation that that women are taking care of the children, that they're taking care of the home, that they're taking care of everything, they're scheduling every single thing. But yet as a society, we have assigned zero worth and zero value and zero dollar dollar value to that, right? Mm -hmm. How... Mess. And we're punished. Yeah. We're punished for it. We're punished in the corporate ladder. We're punished in terms of what society deems important, right? Like when you're at a cocktail party and someone says, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like it's yeah. somehow not seen as a job. Right. Even though it is, in fact, much more difficult than going to work outside oh, the home. Oh, yeah. Let's be clear. I can't wait for Monday morning. I work in the home Saturday and Sunday every weekend. Well, not, I mean, now I'm going to open houses. I'm like, bye, Alex. You've got this. And I don't give homework anymore or I don't give direction anymore when I'm leaving. I did when the kids were little, like, oh, they need this. They need this. They need that. Like, nope, you know how to keep them alive. I don't care how you do it. Just get it done. I'm leaving. Bye. Check the calendar if you want to know what you're supposed to be doing today. And we, and this isn't just a man versus woman thing. Women do this to each, we do this to each other. And Bob mm-hmm. and I were in New York and we were at a dinner with other realtors, other colleagues, other women colleagues. And Bob was a stay at home mom for uh, thir- 13 years and now has entered the, into real estate. And the woman next to her said, what did you do before real estate? Because that's like a question we all ask each other. And she's like, I was a stay-at-home mom. And the woman said, that's okay. And Bob said, I know. (laughs) Like, she goes, I know. It's okay. And so we do it to each other because of this ingrained lack of value. Or And I was just, 
I was over there like, how dare you? You know, like when somebody, when I ask somebody, what do they do? And then they say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a stay at home mom. I said, well, well, your job's way harder than mine. It is a huge pet peeve of mine. How women, I think often, well, there's an explicit putting down, but then there's also often an implicit putting down of each other. And it is really something that we need to open our eyes to. The example of my husband doing laundry. Anytime I would mention my husband doing laundry, all my female friends would be like, that's amazing. I'm like, no, it's not. Why are you patting? Like, if I said I was doing laundry, you wouldn't be like, that's great, Susie. Wow, you're a superstar. I'm like, so what? He's like, it's the least, literally the least you can do Yeah, is the laundry. <laughs> I want to tell you guys this, but, and maybe my husband will, because he does listen. God bless him. He was having a really hard day at work and really frustrated. And, you know, we moved here too. So he doesn't have a lot of friends here and whatever. One day he came home and he said to me, I'm just so frustrated. All I do is get up, go to work and come home every day. And I looked him straight in the face and I said, what a nice fucking life I've created for you. If that's Mm -hmm. all you have to do every single day. And he was like, oh my God, what did I unleash? (laughs) (laughs) And I I was like, yeah, that's all you have to do. I take the kids to school every day. I am picking them up most days. I am doing all the doctor's appointments. I am doing all the cooking. I am doing all the PTAing. I am doing all the friend making. That's the other thing is like, we're supposed to create these social circles as well. You know, like I, I, plus I'm working in addition to all. And he was just like, Oh my God. I, you know, like he didn't, he just froze like a deer in headlights. Like what, what just happened? But that's it. But that's, that's what it is. We're allowed, not we're allowing men are saying, are thinking that by just going to work, they are doing the thing. Right. Yep. They're doing it, and and no one's educating them. I don't think, uh, in, until recently, that that that's not. And enough. we give and everybody, men, women, their parents, you know, everybody gives them such credit for just doing a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Like they show up at a birthday, but like my husband, you know, we would host dinners. You know, we love to host people in our home, and he was really great about being my sous chef. And cleaning up afterwards. But he had done none of the menu planning, none of the invitations, none of what it took to get there, right? Yeah. Just like birthday parties. Every year for 18 years, I was like, you know the birthday's coming up. You could ask. Even, if, you know, instead of asking, maybe you say, I mean, God help me if he ever said I planned the birthday party in here. <laughs> like that would never, right? Would that ever happen in any, no. any home? No. No. In fact, I said the other day, I'm going to just piggyback June's birthday party on this other event we're going to. And he says, but I'd really like to invite my family. And like, we can't if we do that. So maybe we can do something extra, like different with them. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you can. Don't know. Yeah. Maybe Go ahead. By all do means. It. Yeah. But can you imagine? No. I mean, any father saying, I planned this. 
do you know, do you like, could you do this for me? Can you do this part? Can you get the decorations? Oh, I'm going to do, <laughs> like, I'm going to do all the Christmas hallelujah. shopping this year. I've got it for both our families and our kids every year. Like, yeah. Can you imagine oh my gosh. My husband- do they even know who to buy presents for or what everyone likes? Send That's the Christmas the cards out while you're at it. Thanks. Bye. That's the mental load. That's the mental load, right? Like, it's October. I'm already thinking about Christmas. I literally just bought a Christmas present yesterday. My husband is not even on his radar. My birthday is in like two weeks. I said to him, TikTok, just so you know, birthday's coming up. Right, sir. <laughs> just been, a reminder. I mean, Alex on Christmas Eve is generally at the store getting me my gift. And I'm like, actually, just skip the gift and come home because you have three feral children here that I'm tired of taking care of. Yeah. It is an actual reality that if you go to like a CVS on Christmas Eve, you will see a bunch of men wandering the aisles looking for presents for their. Please don't go to CVS for. I'm not kidding you. One of my friends got a blow dryer for her Christmas present from CVS because <laughs> her husband had like. I mean, my husband and I don't really exchange gifts anymore. Like I've just stopped, and. I started ha- I started doing my own birthday celebration just because I got tired of being disappointed. But that is like a sad reality, right? We're um, always thinking about everyone else's things and how to make them feel special. I feel that way every Mother's Day and it, almost mm-hmm. every day. had some great birthdays, but it's a. I feel so conflicted. Because I, oh, I would say like 98% of the time I feel disappointed. And then I feel bad for feeling disappointed. But I'm, yeah, I'm like, oh God, I'm so, you know, it's that like guilt thing. I'm like, oh, am I such a jerk? Because I'm disappointed that all my husband, all my husband and my kids did for Mother's Day was like, make me this like kind of breakfast that I don't want. (laughs) You know, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Who wants? What mother wants breakfast in bed? Nobody, because then we have to clean up the clothes. <laughs> Listen, I don't eat for another three hours. Like, right, thanks for bringing this, right. but it's not it's good sweet. for me. And then you have to eat it because then you feel yeah. bad. Like, it's sweet. Like, it's sweet when it comes from your kids and they're trying really hard. But it's like, you know what? I mean, we did Secret Santa last year. We, we do, like, tradi- regular gift giving, but for our kids – we did like a couple days before Christmas, we did secret Santa because they thought that this was really fun. And so between the five of us, everybody picked a name. And so it was just the five of my family. And it was the best secret Santa I had gift I had ever gotten before because it was for my daughter and she picked it out and she knew what I liked. And she did, you know, like my husband guided her, but she's like, Oh no, mommy likes this. Mommy likes this because she pays attention. (laughs) But if it would have been any of my yeah. boys or yeah. my husband, it would have been like, oh, thank you so much for this gift. Well, on that note, because I'm a coach, I feel like I'm compelled to give a practical solutions. And not that I can solve We're here the whole for problem it. of gender inequality. But one of the things that you just mentioned, Colleen, is I have been committed to raising up my boys to be a different generation of men. And I think that is something that we can do to work on this issue on a larger level, right? Raise up a different generation of men to be aware 
of the mental load to not contribute to, I say to my older son who has a girlfriend, don't ask her what she wants for things or don't at, when you go to her house, don't ask if you can help, just help. Just don't make someone ask you, just do it. Yeah. So be mindful, you know, raise up a different generation of men. If you have sons, I think also we do have to fight this on a, not fight, but like we need to address this on a individual level, couple by couple, be uncomfortable, don't contribute to the learned helplessness of our husbands. And then we really, really do need to commit to, to addressing this on a larger scale. Don't, you know, don't contribute to the problem in other people's marriages by applauding when the husbands do laundry or whatever else. And also just be be attentive to when your bosses or your coworkers or other people, men particularly, say things that are contributing to this issue. Be bold and have the courage to just to say something. You don't have to be combative about it, but just bring awareness to it so that all of us can be part of the solution instead of letting it just continue and perpetuate. What are a couple tactful ways we could like draw attention to something? So somebody says something, you know, patting the husband on the back. What's our, what's a one-liner that you could come back with? I am mindful of not making other people wrong per se, right? Just because we are all victims of the larger issue. So you can't just say like, yeah, it is great that he does the laundry. And I mean, obviously, we all do so much more than that. So like, it is literally the least you can do. I mean, it's all, you know, it is literally least mm-hmm. you can do. And he still doesn't sort it properly. So there's that. I'm sure there's, you know, more he can do. Right. I loved what you said, Cheryl, about when your husband had that you know, idea. I think we need to like, don't we do that? When I was PTA president and someone came up to me and said, Hey, I have a great idea for a fundraiser. I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Right. Like that's what we all get when we're volunteering. You have an idea. It's yours. Do it. (laughs) We need to do that more. Yep. Take it and run. I think sometimes when we hear those comments, it's because we're getting them from women whose husbands do nothing. And that is really yeah. kind of breaks my heart. You know, and people are like, Oh, your, your, your dad, your husband comes to the park with the kids after school. That's so sweet. There's like no other dads here. And I'm like, I don't want to make them feel bad. Right. Like you don't want to make them, obviously they're looking at this and thinking, wow, I wish my husband was doing that. Or I wish, you know, like that's what I, that's what I hear a lot. So it's a, it's a tricky situation to to navigate because you don't want to make them feel bad no you're totally right you're totally right that's clearly them saying my husband doesn't do that maybe you say yeah like we say yes it's a constant battle of us trying Mm -hmm. to balance the workload like yes we're constantly working towards trying to balance our workload maybe something like that would be like an Mm-hmm. maybe even motivational way to say that to somebody else. Yeah. Or like, yeah, we, I worked really hard to ask him to help me, ask him to contribute. Yeah. I don't know. You know, like I, I think it's fair to have those open conversations kind of like you were saying, Susie, like 
yeah, it is really great that he's, he's, he can come here and do that. And I worked really hard for our, to set up our lives. So that's that way, you know, or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think that we can also just like, again, I'm all about raising awareness that these are not individual issues. These are systemic issues. And so I think you can say, yeah, isn't it like crazy that we think that that's like something to be applauded because we all need to yeah, be working on, on, on making it so that it isn't a big deal when the dad shows up at the playground. It's not yeah. a big deal when the dad does the laundry. Like, wow, it, it kind of sucks that that's like, exciting for people do you know like yeah. <laughs> like what can we do about that guys like you know i think that's a conversation more women should be having in their circles like all right what can we do about the fact that my husband's being celebrated for doing the laundry what can we collectively do to change this yeah mm-hmm. i do want to mention a couple books that i think are useful there's a book called fair play a game-changing solution for when you have too much to do and More Life to Live by Eve Rodsky. And that is a good one. It's literally a game where you kind of like take all the different tasks of the mental load and separate it. And then there's another book that's maybe not super relevant on this, but because we've talked so much about how much we love our husbands during this episode, there's a book called How to Not Hate Your Husband After Having Kids <sighs> by Jan C. Dunn. And it's, it's great. I've read it. Might need to go back and read it again. It's fantastic. And I really do recommend it. It like makes mm-hmm. light of some of these, like it puts a little humor behind things to kind of help you navigate this next phase of life. So Susie, thank you. Any, any wisdom to, to leave us with? Well, you know, I think just one final thing about what you were saying, you know, we don't hate our husbands. This isn't meant to like villainize men. They are just as much a product of what, you know, has been created. So I am really grateful for the men on social media who are pointing this out to other men. So I use that a lot for as much, you know, for what that's worth. I I am one of those women who sends TikTok clips to my husband on the daily. <laughs> Watch what what's, your peers what's are that saying. TikTok, what's that TikTok account that we should be showing oh, our husbands gosh. that you sent us? Do you remember the name? No, there are a couple, at least two really great accounts of men coaching other men, like step up dudes, like, it's not okay for you to, you know, continue to like live in this, like, I don't know, la 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 la, like, I've never heard of the mental load. Well, we'll get those and we'll put them in the show notes too. Yeah, the one you sent on TikTok, it's a guy named Zach, and it's called Zach Recovering Manchild. Oh, and isn't that everything? Like, that's it. Man-child is it. The redundancy. <laughs> Before we leave, Susie, please quickly plug your coaching, because I know we have a lot of listeners who would benefit from your coaching. Ah, oh, thanks, Colleen. Yeah, so I've, I coach with performance coaching, led by Steve Shaw, but there's a team of us. And I do primarily focus on... Uh, processes and systems, although I have been ruminating and I'll be talking to y'all about this more, Cheryl and Colleen and our network, just really trying to lean into uh, my passion is, you know, helping other women, particularly. So I want to really look into 2024, how to focus more on that segment of the audience. 
Amazing. And how can we reach you? Where, where can we, where can people find you? Susie.adamson at compass.com would be the best way or go to my LinkedIn profile. There are lots of reviews there and more information. I think LinkedIn is the best way to reach me. And where can we watch you make kimchi? <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> I'm very frequent in posting and I haven't been as good about posting my stuff with my mom, but I need to get back to cooking with my mom. We're running out of some things. So if people have any suggestions, particularly of Korean dishes you want us to cook, let me know and we'll post some tutorials. And what's your TikTok account name? S-U-S-I-E-N-J-P-A. Used to be Susie New Jersey. Oh, you added a couple letters. Yeah, to PA, I had to change it. So Susie N-J-P-A. Love it. Well, thank you so much. This was fun, guys. Always, always fun. And that's a wrap for another fantastic episode of We're Doing This Right, Right? Thank you all for joining us on this journey of laughter, leadership, and growth. We hope you enjoyed diving into our conversations as much as we enjoyed bringing them to you. Remember, you're not alone.